the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. This is the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Your word is sharper than any two-edged sword. And it cuts deep into my heart. The word to stand on for life is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel in San Antonio. A live call-in show here to help you answer your questions about the Bible and how to apply the word to your daily life. For more information on Calvary Chapel, visit our website, calvarysa.com. Get your Bible questions ready and call in now to 210-340-9585. It's The Word to Stand On for Life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome to May. Boy, time is going so fast. I'm Pastor Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Delighted that you tuned in today. Um, This is a program committed to taking your phone calls and answering your Bible questions, church questions, questions about stuff going on in your life. Whatever's on your heart, you need only to call us. You can dial 210-340-9585. If you're outside the local San Antonio area, you can call toll-free at 877-630-KSLR. That's 630-5757. You can email us by emailing questions at calvarysa.com or you can use our free Calvary Chapel mobile app. And remember, if you are driving in your car, I understand it's raining out there again. Uh, the safest way to call is use the free KSLR mobile app. Just hit the call now banner at the top of the screen. You'll be connected directly to our studio producer. Hope you had a great weekend. It was Communion Sunday here at Calvary. And uh, we had a wonderful time. Lots of people here. Uh, we kept keep getting to meet new people and some people from the radio program, some people from the audience. We got to meet them as well. And uh, always, always a special day, first Sunday of the month for us. Uh, tonight here at Calvary Chapel, we've got our men's, women's, and youth Bible studies uh, going on. Um, at 7 o'clock, they all meet together for worship, and then they spread into different parts of the church building and uh, have their meeting. Um, ladies, you can watch live uh, at calvarysa.com at 7 o'clock, uh, but it's always better if you're here for the discussion and questions that get answered uh, after the fact. So that is tonight at 7 o'clock. Well, I don't have anything else, so let me get to some questions while we await your phone calls. Here's the first question uh, today. It is from Theo. He wants to know, is preterism heretical? Uh, No, Theo, it's not heretical. Heretical deals with the, the character and the nature of God or of Jesus um, uh, or, or, or the Holy Spirit. Uh, I, th- I believe that uh, preterism is aberrant. It's certainly an error. In fact, I, I categorize preterism as being silly. It makes absolutely no sense at all. And uh, there's, I just can never really understand how anybody can come up with a position that says all prophecy has been fulfilled in 70 A.D. And this, that, that would suggest that that somehow there's no uh, millennium. And it just to me, it makes no sense at all. But it is not heretical. Um, somebody who believes in preterism uh, is a believer if they believe in the essentials of the historic Christian faith. Uh, I think practically this would hurt the fruit that they would produce uh, the coming from their lives. But um, it's not heresy. So uh, they're believers. So Theo, thank you for asking the question. 
Here's an anonymous question he wants to know or she wants to know. Is it okay for someone to begin speaking out in tongues in the middle of a church service? Anonymous, no, it's not okay. Again, these are not issues of salvation, um, uh, but, but it's not okay. Church is supposed to be done decently and in order. And usually when someone wants to speak in tongues or wants to be a part of a church where everybody's speaking in tongues, it's usually to draw attention to themselves. So, no, it's not okay. The Apostle Paul, uh, in his letter to the Corinthians, chapters 12 and 14, 1 Corinthians, uh, he speaks about the proper use of tongues in church. Uh, if, if you're in a meeting where there's room for that, then two or three at the most... And it always has to have an interpretation. That's the only condition under which speaking in tongues is okay in a church setting. But in the Sunday service, in particular, where the Bible is being taught. Now, I know in some churches the Bible is not being taught. And I know in some charismatic churches, I I always remind you we're charismatic here at Calvary Chapel. But in some charismatic churches where they go to excesses, there is a huge emphasis on uh, the so-called demonstration of these gifts of the Spirit. But you see, here's the thing, Anonymous. When you're out of order, you're not in the Spirit. That's really important for all of us to understand. The Spirit is not leading or controlling when we're out of order. And I just can't imagine that the Holy Spirit who wrote the Word of God was the Spirit of God pushing the pins of men. Uh, I can't imagine that the Spirit of God would interrupt himself so that somebody else could have a platform. And usually, as I said, this is just a cry for attention. Somebody wants to be acknowledged that they've got the gift of tongues. Uh, But it's really, really not okay. Not ever. So we do things in the church decently and in order. And if tongues are going to be used, there must be an interpretation, two or three at the most, and it never, ever, anonymous, should interrupt the teaching of God's Word. So I hope that's clear. I hope it makes a lot of sense. Here is a question from Denise. Uh, she asks, when do the people who get saved during the tribulation, I'm sorry, I, my eyes are struggling today. When, not where, when do the people who get saved during the tribulation get their glorified bodies? Um, Denise, the people who get saved during the great tribulation, those are people that are going to be martyred for their faith. They're going to die for their faith in Jesus Christ. And we find them in the book of Revelation and they're under the altar of God. Now, we don't know exactly what that means in in, in time and space. Um, uh, we find them under the altar, and they're being told to wait patiently for their glorified bodies. How long, O Lord, until you avenge our death? Um, he says, just a while longer, sit tight. And uh, it will be, Denise, uh, at the point when um, they get their glorified bodies, that's when, in fact, um, that, that'll happen um, when Jesus returns. So they get their glorified bodies. They say they're saved in the tribulation. They are um, going to pay for their faith. It's going to cost them everything. They're going to pay with their lives. But then they will go directly into the presence of Jesus. So that's the important thing. They don't enjoy the status of the church, at least not until uh, Jesus comes back and then cleans up this earth. But, but at the end of the Great Tribulation, that's when they'll get their glorified bodies. So I hope that makes sense to you. Um, there's a lot we don't know, but that's one of the things, Denise, that we do know. Three four zero ninety five eighty five for your live calls and questions, or three four zero. Uh, I'm sorry, or toll free eight seven seven six three zero KSLR. We'd love to have your calls. Here's a question from Joe: If someone is really saved, is it possible for Jesus to tell them depart from me? I never knew you. No, Joe. If someone's really saved, of course, Jesus is is their identification. So, no. Um, you you can't lose your salvation if you're really saved. And uh, Jesus would never look at somebody whose sins have been washed by his blood uh, and tell them, depart from me. In fact, believers, Joe, when we get to heaven, we're going to be judged. We're going to receive rewards 
uh, at, at what the, the Bible calls the Bema seat. That's the, the word for the, 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 the reward seat. Uh, and we're going to either suffer loss, not of salvation, but of rewards, or we're going to receive rewards. The Bema seat is all and only about rewards, crowns of righteousness, um, uh, rewards for the work that we did, uh, faithfully entrusted with the gifts that God has given us. So if somebody really belongs to Jesus Christ, he can never disown a son or a daughter. He could never do that. So Jesus won't tell them, depart from me. In context, that passage of Scripture, remember, Jesus is talking to the religious leaders. And there are other Jews who are always listening into what's going on. And Jesus is basically saying there's a lot of people who right now, right here, think they're serving God. But the reality is, they're not. And on the day of judgment, Jesus will say, remember, every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus is the Lord to the glory of God the Father. But some of those, when they make that confession, it won't be a confession of faith or acceptance. It'll be a confession of abject failure. So, Joe, the only people that could be told to depart are those who are unbelievers. The rest of us, we have heaven awaiting. You know, there's so many questions, and I get two or three a week, and I don't put all of those on the air simply because they're um, they're they're redundant a lot. But um, there's a lot of people worried about losing their salvation. And remember, uh, Jesus is the one who provides it. He's the one who guarantees it. And when he makes a promise, it's a promise that can't be broken. So if he's guaranteed you salvation, he's given you the spirit as a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance, guaranteeing your inheritance, there's no way that uh, he could ever disown you. He said, if you confess me before men, I will confess you before my Father in heaven. But if you deny me before men, and that's the key, and a really saved person, Joe, can't deny Jesus. Good question. Here is... We got somebody on the line now. Appreciate the call. This is my namesake, Ron from San Antonio on line one. Ron, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Thank you, Pastor Paul. How are you doing, sir? I'm I'm doing well. Thank you, Ron. Excellent. Excellent. Uh, I've called before in, in relation to the, the salvation of Catholics, and we've talked about that, and then you've made it make a whole lot more sense to me. Now, I'm concerned also with those that will be, as they say, and just like the movie was named, um, but it is biblical. It isn't Thessalonians. I believe it's been even stated that Thessalonians have been decreed insofar as the uh, the rapture, us being taken up in the twinkling of an eye, which is mm-hmm. such an immediate uh, um, grasp from the hand of God to his his children to be caught mm-hmm. up with those that had been taken before us that were in the ground. Now, those that are left behind, um, in your opinion, not your opinion, your, your, your estimation uh, from what you've achieved so far, which is so much understanding of the scriptures, how much chance, do they have any chance of being redeemed I know that what will be left behind is not going to be pretty. It's going to be very icky, from what I understand, in a, in yeah. a political, in a, in, a, in a financial, in a, in, a, in a living sense. It's going to be drudgery. It's going to be tor- almost a mental form of torture to, to live in a, a world without the Holy Spirit, without hmm. uh, those that could have once tried to leave us a message like yourself, but the ones that are left, how much legitimate chance of redemption or practical redemption is left? I understand possibly there will be martyrs. You'll have to ultimately and eventually give up your head, your life. Your, yeah. and those would be saved, obviously, if you give your life in the name of Jesus Christ, if you were left after. But I need to hear what you have to say, Pastor Paul, here. Okay. Thank you, Ron. 
And, and I'm Pastor Ron, not Pastor Paul. Paula is my wife, and every time somebody calls her pastor, she goes, no, 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 no. So uh, thank you, Ron. I appreciate it. You know, I love thinking about this, Steve, uh, Ron. And you you pointed out there, I'm laughing. Uh, uh, you pointed out something that, that I think we don't think about much. The mental anguish for those who are left behind is going to be unbearable. Absolutely unbearable. Now, we know that when the church is taken up in the rapture, um, darkness will be over the land. It'll be like it was in the days of Noah when every inclination of man's heart was only evil all the time. Those adjectives are really important. And the idea here is the, the, the light is going to be gone. The world's going to be completely given over to darkness. And the condition of this world, uh, even following the first series of, of seal judgments, is going to be unbearably difficult. And uh, I think the mental anguish is going to be far, far worse. There is a, a, a point in the Great Tribulation where people are going to try to kill themselves, but, but Jesus won't allow their spirits to depart. So even killing yourself is going to be impossible. So here's, here's what's going to happen. Uh, we're going to be raptured. The world is going to be, be stricken with this cataclysmic loss of people. And I believe, Ron, that there's going to be a lot of people saved uh, almost right away. Uh, I mean, I've told a lot of people about the rapture of the church. I've, I've shared Jesus with them, and, and they look at me like I'm crazy or something. But I just tell them, well, look, one day you're going to wake up and you're going to find that all of the people who are Christians are gone. And they're going to try to tell you all kinds of ways to explain it away. But you now will know for sure. And I think just the, 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 the overall size of, of the impact of this, I believe there's going to be a lot of people who instantly fall on their face before God and repent. And you're right. They're all going to lose their lives. Because if you won't take the mark of the beast, then you're going to die. Life is going to be super, super hard. But we need to remember, there's a couple of other things, Ron, that's, that's going on on the earth at this time. One of those things is um, the, the witness of Moses and Elijah at the Western Wall. Um, there will be a famine, um, earthquakes. Uh, but, but, but imagine the, the Moses and Elijah... I mean, they're going to be on TV every day, and they're going to have to find some way to explain them away. But we also have, and I think this is more compelling, um, we have the witness of the 144,000 Jewish evangelists uh, who are going to be sealed or marked by God, so they're invincible. And I always like to think of 144,000 Apostle Pauls, only um, they can't be hurt. Or, or killed like the Apostle Paul was hurt and threatened all the time. So these are 144,000 people with supernatural ability. Um, they're going to be empowered by the Holy Spirit in, in miraculous ways. And, and the greatest revival in the history of the world, by far, by far, Ron, the greatest revival in the history of the world is going to take place. And people are going to get saved in such huge numbers that there will be sort of an underground church going on. They will be tracked down by the Antichrist and his forces, uh, but but there will be strength in those numbers, at least some modicum of strength, uh, until their lives are sacrificed. But yes, they're going to die for their faith. They're going to refuse to take the mark while everybody else in the world who takes the mark uh, is is um, they, they're going to know what they're doing when they take it. But yes, the, the revival is going to be unlike anything we've ever seen. Now, Ron, one of the things I say, now you've listened to me before and we've, we've talked, but um, I want the rapture to happen more than I want to take my next breath. I want to be with Jesus so desperately. But just strictly from a, a worldly point of view, the revival that's going to go on in the Great Tribulation is going to be so great and the power of God is going to be so obvious that it almost, almost makes me wish I could be here to see it. But yeah, people are going to get saved. It's going to happen uh, in staggering numbers. Uh, certainly uh, not as many as 
the people who take the mark of the beast, but it's going to be a huge, huge worldwide revival led by the two witnesses at the Western Wall, Moses and Elijah, and then the 144,000 Jewish witnesses or evangelists are going to be out endowed with supernatural power. It's going to be an amazing thing. And uh, the people who missed out, I did a Bible study yesterday here at Calvary Chapel, Ron, and talked about uh, people that miss out on miracles or those that almost missed out. Well, when they're left behind, they're going to be shocked. Um, They're going to be without hope. Um, But remember, the Holy Spirit is going to move. The Holy Spirit is going to move. And people are going to get saved. I had somebody, this is my last comment on it, Ron, I don't want to bore everybody, but um, I had somebody once say, well, well, you know, I'm just not sure that what you're saying is true, so I'm going to live my life and have fun now, and if the rapture happens, then I'll give my life to Jesus. And my response to him was, if you won't give your life to Jesus now, well, it, well, it costs nothing. What makes you think that when it's going to cost you everything, including your life, what makes you think that you're going to have the courage they surrender to Jesus then. And they just sort of ignored me and went on. Um, but yeah, I, the greatest revival ever is going to be happening during the time that we're in heaven with Jesus at our wedding banquet. Good question, Ron. Thank you. It's always nice to hear from you. Three four zero ninety five eighty five. Steve wants to know, what do you say about all the pastors making the news for doing bad things? I think it proves pastors are hypocrites and liars. Steve, I just found out that I have a somebody call on the line. So Ray is on line too. Steve, I'll get back to your question in a moment. I don't like to keep people on the phone waiting. Ray, thanks for calling. You're on the air. Thanks for picking up on that. Um, back to the Bama seat where uh, yes. we uh, get rewards, or uh, I'm curious, since, since um, do we, will we know what we, will it be positive when we get rewards, crowns, whatever you want to call it, or when we don't have them, which would be a negative, I mean, it, yep. it seems like uh, the two don't go together. But will we, you know, what's, what, what do we do with that sort of a thing? And I'm going to listen on the, on the radio. Thank you, Ray. First Corinthians 3 is, is uh, also Romans 12 um, speaks about this. But First Corinthians 3 says that our work is going to be judged whether it's good or good for nothing. Now, the translations say good or bad, but literally the word is good for nothing. And and that's where the motives of our heart are going to be judged. And I know we think heaven is going to be so great that there's nothing that's sad ever. It, it's going to be a terribly sad time when we realize all the opportunities that we missed. So, yeah, we'll be in heaven, and it's Jesus' intent to reward everyone. Uh, he's going to find something to reward all of us for. But here's the idea, and the only way I can explain it, and, and, and certainly we don't have any insight into what it's going to look like in heaven. But, Ray, imagine, and this is just the way my mind works, you stand before Jesus at your judgment. There's going to be witnesses all over the place. And he opens, and in my mind, it's like a bureau. He opens this this door, and you see all of these crowns in there. And maybe he reaches in and he gives you one. And you're thinking, okay, well, I'll wait for the others. And then he says, that's all. And I'll say, well, what are those other crowns, Lord? And he will say, well, those are the crowns that I wanted to give to you. Those are the crowns that Ephesians 2.10 said you were destined to do. It was my heart to bless you so abundantly and yet you wouldn't do those things. Or when you did them, you didn't do them for me, you did them for you. Or you were, you were looking for attention. Or, or, or you, you just somehow our heart was not in the right place. And Jesus will say, I had to give those crowns 
to other people who were faithful, Ron, when you weren't. Now, obviously, Ray, and you know me, so you've heard me say this uh, over the years, uh, I'm obsessed with finishing well. Uh, I started well. I was so excited. And, and you know, for 31 years, uh, I've been been really, I hope, faithful. That doesn't mean I've been completely faithful, but I've done things that 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 I'm sure were not the right heart, the right motive. And, and I just don't want to lose any rewards. You see, we're going to throw those crowns at Jesus' feet. It's going to ultimately honor him. But I just don't want to miss out on anything that he has for me. And because I've been obsessed with that, I, I hope it's a good obsession and not a bad one, uh, but but what I want him to say is, Ron, we're going to empty out this this reward chest for you. Uh, well done, good and faithful servant. And I think that's really Ray. What we what we I think the problem we have is is seeing that it'll be sad. How can we be in heaven and how can we be sad? I think there's a moment when we look at Jesus with his scars. And we'll realize that we had opportunities to serve him. We had opportunities to share our faith. We had opportunities to be used by him for his glory. And because of our unbelief or because we were afraid or there's a million different reasons, but we chose not to do it. Instead of being obedient, instead of being committed, we were sort of compromised or lukewarm. And that's going to be a sad time. It's going to be a sad time. Thank you for the calls. We've still got 30 minutes left in the show. 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. We'll be back in two minutes. Welcome back to the Word to Stand On for Life. We're taking your calls at 340-9585 or toll-free 877-630-KSLR. Now, here's Pastor Ron Arbaugh. Welcome back to the program, 340-9585. I so appreciate that you take the time to tune in. Here is a question from Kirby from our email inbox. Um, She says, since today's show topics seem to be moving to end times and survivors in the tribulation, I have a question too. What will happen to people who claim that they are Christians today but who are not really saved? They're the type of Christians who are coming to church on a regular basis. They serve, even participate in some church events. What do you think will happen to them when they're not raptured? Once they realize their situation, will some of them, after they repent, will they become the new church leaders in and during the tribulation? truly leading people to salvation since they have biblical knowledge and know how church life goes? Will that be the majority or the minority of people like that? Kirby, this is such a good question, and I could spend the whole rest of our time on it. I'll not do that, but uh, this is such a good question. You know, I have said uh, repeatedly that I believe fully half of the people that are coming to church every week aren't saved, not really born again. And so there's going to be a lot of people. And I can't imagine the the horror. Um, the rapture of the church happens. Um, you know, I don't mean this to be like a sick joke or anything, but, but, but I always imagine the rapture should be on Sunday when everybody's in church. Imagine what it would be like if all of a sudden everybody leaves and you look around the church and half of the people are still there. And this is a terrifying thought. It's one of the reasons. I, I really believe, Kirby, that the Lord has had me pleading with people. This is this is now going on for, uh, I don't know, uh, Paula, she she takes, keeps track of these things, but, but six weeks, eight weeks, there's been this, this sense of urgency about being active and sharing our faith and coming to church, not just to come to church, but to be changed, to be more like Jesus, to, to, to make sure our hearts are right with him. And we've been pleading with people, don't just do church. Well, imagine what it's going to be like if right in the middle of a worship song, everybody's gone. You know, half of the people are gone. 
I mean, what would they think? And I, I, the horror of that moment is just too much even for me to grasp. Um, what will happen to them uh, is, I hope, a deep realization that they've been playing games with God. I think what will happen is they'll have to really examine their hearts. I know not well, they're not friends. I know pastors who aren't saved. And I can't imagine what it will be like. Imagine if the rapture happened on a Sunday during a church service and the pastor was one of the people left. On the other hand, maybe there will be some churches that just don't miss a beat. Because the pastor wasn't saved, the people weren't saved, they weren't told to be born again or to pursue holy lives. So what will happen? I don't know. That's a matter for them to, to wrestle with. I would hope that they would be so moved by the Spirit of God that they would be so sad and sorry that they would surrender their hearts to Jesus and offer to be used and become some of the church leaders. Uh, you know, personal witness, testimony is, is powerful. Imagine what it would be like for somebody who says, I'm a pastor, and I was left behind. And I knew all of the facts, but I just didn't really take it to heart. I knew about Jesus, but I didn't know Jesus. And Kirby, that's just almost more than I can even think about. Um, so we don't know for sure. Uh, here's what we know will happen. The world will be completely given over to darkness, and everybody who's left behind is going to have to make a choice. And the choice they make then is going to cost infinitely more than what that same choice would cost today. This coming Sunday, I'm going to be teaching, finishing Mark chapter 8, and Jesus is going to tell us what it takes to become a disciple. And it's something that we need to be thinking about the, the, the thought that people are in church and they're not saved it just makes no sense at all to me. Jesus said, to be my disciple, you must deny yourself. How many of us are in the habit of denying ourselves? Saying no to us so that we can say yes to him. He said, then we got to pick up our cross. That means we got to die to our flesh every day. And then we got to follow him. And it ought to be simple for somebody who's sitting in church and, and, and maybe they're, they're, they're not so sure about their self. It's easy. Are you following Jesus? It's not do you just know about him. Are you following him? And the people that will be left, to, left behind Kirby, um, they will be plunged into the darkest time imaginable. So I hope that makes sense. And whether it be the majority or the minority, I don't know. I, I told you, I think that the answer is uh, simply going to be um, half the people in church. I, I really, truly believe uh, in this comfortable climate that we have, uh, people who aren't real Christians at all. You know, you don't become a Christian because you go to church or because you were raised in a church home or because you were baptized or you answered an altar call. You're not even a Christian just because you listen to this program. You're Christian if you've surrendered your heart to Jesus Christ, if you've been born again. And apart from being born again, no one really belongs to Jesus Christ. Good question. Let's go to Victor on line one from San Antonio. Victor, thanks for holding. You're on the air. Uh, good afternoon, Pastor Ron. Hi, Victor. I had a question about the, um, now that uh, it's very, uh, a lot of questions and a lot of teaching on the, the rapture of the church. My question is, uh, I think I believe, if I'm not mistaken, I, I do. you do believe that the uh, those feast days, those feast celebrations of the Jewish, those seven feasts in the Old Testament, that you do believe that one of them, uh, which is going to be the second coming, when he actually touches or establishes, Christ comes and establishes 1,000 year reign. Yeah, I believe, I believe you, you, you uh, believe that it's on a feast of Tabernacles, uh, and and I just wanted to know about the rapture. You think it's going to be on the feast of Pentecost? 
Yeah, Victor, I, I don't. I, 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 now, I, I, maybe I wasn't clear when I spoke about this before, but um, I, I believe the rapture is going to happen on tabernacles. But, but all that is is, a, is an opinion. Uh, it doesn't necessarily have to be. Um, uh, the rapture of the church has nothing to do with Israel. It's just sort of holy symmetry. If it happens on tabernacles, uh, we're, we're in booths, we're ready for a quick departure. Uh, so, so I think the rapture is going to happen. And, and the, the second coming of Christ it doesn't have to be at all, probably will not be associated at all with any of the feasts or festivals. So uh, I know there's a lot of people that try to make these connections, and I simply don't necessarily believe that those things have to happen. Um, so we'll just wait. I know that when the rapture of the church happens, there will be, uh, subsequent to that, there will be a, a, a treaty and a covenant signed between the Antichrist and Israel. Um, they will be permitted by that covenant to rebuild their temple. And as soon as that covenant is signed, then you can start counting down the days. Because seven years from that point is when Jesus is going to come back. So, Victor, I hope that makes sense to you, but I don't necessarily believe it has to be connected to the feasts. Um, but just my own worthless opinion is that the rapture is going to happen uh, on, on tabernacles. Great question. Thank you, Victor. You know, all these questions about the rapture coming in gives me hope. It's like Jesus is really striking uh, people's hearts with with uh, the the hunger for his return. Let's go to Matthew from San Antonio online too. Matthew, thank you for holding. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron, not a problem. Um, I long time caller and and uh, just it's just a great joy um, hearing your program and and getting with um, hearing the wisdom from the Lord through you. So thank you. God bless, God bless thank you, Pastor Ron. I oh, um, appreciate it, Matthew. I, my question, uh, I hope it's not too complex, but um, what about the, for people who I understand about living, you know, repentful and, and uh, you know, try to try to live in repentance every day and every, every day possible, every minute possible, every, but sometimes it's, it's, it's not that cut and dry. And um, I'm just asking, like, what are, what are those people who, who are truly, sincerely saved and, and they're children of God and let's say something tragic happens like a car accident or something or whatever something very tragic happens and they they die you know they pass away and they didn't have that chance to repent and and you know say the any you know confession or anything like that um, and I'll take my answer off the phone and God bless you Pastor Ron. Thank you, Matthew. Thank you for being so kind. This is a wonderful question uh, because we, we have a tendency sometimes to jumble everything together. The thing that we need to remember is that when Jesus died on the cross and he cried out, it is finished, all of our sins were forgiven, past, present, and future. All of our sins are covered by the blood of Jesus. Come, let us reason together. Though my sins are as scarlet, they can be white as snow. Uh, that's Jesus speaking through Isaiah. So all of our sins are forgiven. Now, for those of us who are believers, and we're doing our best, Matthew, and it's not a matter of, of us trying really hard, but we're doing our best, and we want to be close to Jesus, and maybe we sin and we forget to repent, or maybe our heart gets hard for just a moment. That kind of sin only breaks our fellowship with the Lord. It doesn't damage our salvation because all sins are already covered by the blood. So, um, you know, if if uh, somebody dies suddenly and there's there's unconfessed sin in their heart, all that means is that their fellowship with God has been cut off because of that unrepentant sin, but not our salvation. And here's the wonderful thing about the Holy Spirit. You know, God knows those who are his. And when the Holy Spirit is in us and we have that unconfessed sin, he's going to be reminding us. He's going to be sort of pricking our hearts 
over and over and over because it's his desire to fellowship with us. He's the author, the initiator, and the finisher of our faith. So the Holy Spirit's always sort of nudging us and and getting us to that place where we can say, oh God, forgive me of my sins. I'm so sorry. But the, the thought, Matthew, that somebody might forget to repent and then die suddenly, that doesn't jeopardize their salvation at all. So here's what we do. We keep doing the best we can. I had a meeting with a young man today, uh, and, and it was such a blessing. And he's a little bit hard on himself. And I just explained to him, I said, are you doing the best you can? Yes. Are you doing it because you love Jesus? Yes. Well, he's proud of you. It doesn't matter what the result is. He's proud. And Matthew, for somebody like you who wants to walk closely with Jesus, you're the delight of his heart. You're the absolute delight of his heart. And he wants you to be absolutely secure in that delight. And then just keep walking every day with Jesus. I tell our church all the time here, Matthew, that Just be with Jesus, because if you're with him, you're okay. And if you've done something that separates you from him, or your fellowship is broken, it's so wonderful to know that if we confess our sins, and that word confess in 1 John 1, 9, means if we agree with God about those sins, if we agree with God, we confess our sins, he, God, is faithful and just to forgive us and purify us from all unrighteousness, which means that fellowship is restored, beautiful harmonious fellowship is restored. Matthew, that's a wonderful question. Thank you very, very much. Let's go to our friend Ruben in Seguin on line three. Ruben, thanks for holding. You're on the air. God bless you, Pastor Ron. Thank you for taking my call. Um, I have a question. Um, Over the weekend, I was uh, looking at uh, several different you know, uh, preachers and, and and reflecting on what they're saying. And, of course, some of them I didn't agree with. And, and then um, my brother and I got to talking about where we grew up, the legalistic uh, church that we grew up in and my grandma grew up in. And, and she unfortunately passed away in that church. And my question is this. As we were looking at these shows, we said... We wondered how many people in there, you know, truly don't know that the person behind the pulpit is is, is a false teacher, preacher. And like my grandmother, she loved the church that we grew up in. She gave her tithes and everything wholeheartedly. Um, and, you know... Uh, we were wondering because somebody said, someone had said on a TikTok that people like that go to these churches uh, that they're going to go to hell, and and mm. it kind of that's what really kind of got us yeah. thinking about it. That's my question, you know. Like my grandmother, I mean, she loved the church, didn't know any better. And these people that yeah. go to these places, they may not know any better. Um, are yeah. they going to go to hell because of their behind yeah, their phone, the false teacher? Yeah, Ruben, thank you for that. And, and I can understand how tender that question would be for you. In those churches, and take it from a pastor who's dealt with a lot of people that have come out of those bad churches and had their lives ruined in some cases because of the bad teaching. There's a whole bunch of people that love Jesus with all of their hearts in those bad churches and, and, and believing bad doctrine. Um, being spiritually lazy and not finding out, that's not going to keep them out of heaven. So no, uh, there there are people who are in those churches for all the wrong reasons. And I think if the rapture were to happen in one of those churches, you're going to find a whole bunch more people left behind in a church like that than in a church that teaches the full counsel of God. However, God knows our hearts and he knows if we're deceived Um, He also knows who are the deceivers. So people like your grandmother uh, who loved God and who were giving and they they, from their perspective, they were doing it with the right heart. Uh, There is much a Christian as you or I. Now, there are not going to be a lot of rewards in heaven for them because they they didn't check. You know, Paul said that we should be like the Bereans. 
um, who, who, who were diligent in, in seeking out the truth and wanting to find out if what he was saying was true. Uh, that's a good thing. And unfortunately, there's not a lot of Bereans in churches these days. But I promise you, in these bad churches, there are a lot of people, a lot of people who love Jesus with all of their heart. Uh, and they're just getting ripped off. That's all. They're getting ripped off. But they're going to be in heaven. And um, and and even for the giving that they gave with the right heart, they'll get rewards for that as well. Reuben, thank you for that. Good to hear from you on this Monday. Let's go to line four. Kelly from San Antonio. Kelly, thank you for holding. You're on the air. Oh. Hi, hi, Pastor Ron. Um, hi, Kelly. I'm not sure how you would necessarily know this answer, but I wanted to get your opinion on it. Um, for those that are left behind after the rapture. What do you think is going to be the ex- explanation of where everybody went? Like, do they think that, do you think maybe that they're going to say it's aliens, or will they believe that it's actually the rapture? I just kind of wanted to know what your thoughts are on that. Yeah, thank you, Kelly. I've, I've thought about this a lot. Uh, I, I actually believe, you know, there's going to be a, a spirit of, of lying, a, a spirit, a deceiving spirit that God is going to permit in the world, and Satan, uh, who is behind the scenes uh, propelling the Antichrist, um, um, they're going to spin all kinds of tales. Now, I've heard the alien theory, you know, there's always such a push on UFOs and all these science fiction things. And uh, for for a lot of young people, they're as familiar with UFOs as they are um, um, IFOs, identified flying objects. And that might be one possible explanation. However, I really believe that the lie is going to be, um, the Antichrist is going to be the one who's telling it, I believe that they're going to say that the universe or that the God of the world has decided that these are the people who are not worthy to go into the next phase of life in this world. And they're going to they're going to consider it a cleansing, and that cleansing is is um, is going to make the world a better place. That's the lie that's going to be told, and there's going to be people that just have to make peace with the fact that if their relatives are raptured, well, those are the people. You know, they believe there was only one way. They were always judgmental and harsh, and so the world is better off, and it's a sacrifice that we had to make. And the world is going to be so dark at that time, Kelly. I, again, I personally believe that's the lie. We know there's already at work the spirit of deception. All you have to do is look around the world that we live in, and, and you, you can't miss it. Um, but, but something that we think, how could anybody believe that? Um, people are going to believe just because the supernaturally... Uh, demonically empowered Antichrist is going to spin the tail and they're going to believe him. So, Kelly, that's my opinion on it. Uh, that's all we can do. Um, that, that You know, we know that there's also going to be a false prophet who is going to be prompting the Antichrist and, and that's going to be sort of the door. This is okay, now we've got those purists out of the way. Now there can be a one-world religion where everybody can get along. Nobody's going to judge one another. And I think to the people whose hearts are so hard that they're left behind in the rapture, that's going to make sense. Hard to figure, but I think that's the case. Thank you, Kelly. Let's go to Von Army now and talk with Scott on line one. Scott, thank you for holding. You're on the air. Hey, Pastor Ron. Wow, what wonderful calls this afternoon. Um, yeah. kind of get into the same thing here. Um, I got hundreds of questions, but the one that I, I really would <laughs> like to try to get answered today, <laughs> okay, it involves with the end times there. Uh, my understanding is there will be no Christians left behind, those that are born again. Okay, so yes. those, that, those that are attending the church, we're talking about that, okay, those that realize that, but will they become, can they become Christians? Because the Holy Spirit's removed, is my understanding. It's a diff, different dispensation. So can they become a Christian, I guess is really what my question is, after after the rapture? And if not, I mean, I, they talk, I know about the 144,000, but can they, you know, as far as the Gentile? Um, I, anyway, I'm going to kind of leave it open there so you can kind of go with it okay. where you want. 
I got it, Scott. Thank, thank you very much. And I'm, I'll do this after quickly. We're inside four minutes now for the program. But, but Scott, remember, the Holy Spirit is going to be removed, but only in his restraining power. In other words, the Holy Spirit working through the church has been restraining evil. That may not look to people like the church is doing a very good job at restraining evil, but that's exactly what's been going on. And when when the church is gone and there's no more restraint on evil, that's what he means when it says the Holy Spirit's going to be taken out of the way. The Holy Spirit is God, and God is omniscient, and God is omnipotent, so he's omnipresent, so he's everywhere, and he'll be working because God always wants to save people. So uh, I believe that when those people that thought they were Christians find themselves left behind, I think what the Holy Spirit is going to do is take an advantage of that, and he's going to be knocking so, so heavily on the door of their heart. And I think you're going to see repenting uh, like never before, a deep, deep, deep grieving, where they for the first time understand the consequences of pretending. You know, we talk a lot about hypocrites in the church. The, the unsaved world talks about hypocrites in the church. But, but Jesus talked about those who say one thing but do another. Jesus said, if you love me, you will obey me. And I think there's a whole bunch of people sitting in churches that think just because they said a prayer, because they answered an altar call, or because they were baptized, that they can do what they want. The Apostle Paul addressed this in the first verse of Romans chapter 6. He said, um, he just finished in chapter 5, where sin abounds, grace all the more abounds. And then, because this was as real then as it is now, he said, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning? And then the King James says, God forbid. And I think there's a bunch of people that have Jesus sort of as an eternal life insurance policy. And what they're thinking is, well, I'm going to get to heaven because I, I believe in Jesus. But it's it's being known by Jesus. It's knowing him and having a relationship. So, yeah, the Holy Spirit will be removed only in his restraining power, restraining evil. But he will still be at work because it's always been God's heart. Uh, God is unwilling that any perish, that all should come to a saving faith. And we're going to find out. We're going to find out exactly how many people are left behind and get saved during those days. Thanks very much. Appreciate the calls and the questions. Steve, sorry I just started to, to get into your question. I'll do that first thing tomorrow. May the Lord bless you and keep you. I'm Ron Arbaugh from Calvary Chapel in San Antonio, Texas. Lord willing, I'll be back tomorrow. We'll see you then. Thanks for spending this time with Calvary Chapels, the word to stand on for life with Pastor Ron Arbaugh. The word to stand on for life is on every weekday afternoon at 4, and Pastor Ron invites you to find out more about Calvary Chapel at calvarysa.com. The word to stand on for life was sponsored by Calvary Chapel of San Antonio. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.